Hello, everyone, and inside of today's Lockdown Canadians, there have been AHL goalie trades. What's the holdup with Ben Sherratt being imminently moved? And what can we expect from the Habs-Calgary Flames game on Thursday night? Your Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 564 of Locked On Canadians. We are, of course, your daily Montreal Canadiens podcast, and thank you for making us your first listen of the day every single day of the week. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Metland. As always, I am joined by the active stick, Laura Saba. And Laura, we do have news and non-news to get to. But first, the Habs are in Calgary for a 9 p.m. start, which means we are both up until but o'clock in the morning to watch hockey. And my first thought is, what is the vibe check here at Lockdown Canadians as we approach this game with the Flames? The vibe check is tentative but excited. We like Calgary. Calgary's a good team. It's a fun team. Lots of people predicted they would be a dark horse success this year. I hope they're not peaking too early. But uh, personally, I didn't think it would go this well. But they are in an absolute heater. Lots of their players are firing on all cylinders. People are talking about what a special player uh, Matthew Kachuk is. I almost called him Brady Kachuk. I've had Brady on the lines. <laughs> the last you know he put he had the goalie pads, and then there was this photo shoot with all of this. Anyway. Um, all of this to say is that there are some players on that team that are super exciting. We obviously, we love our friend, uh, Jess Belmaster of Locked on Flames. We absolutely love our friends at the Scorch Stack. Always credit and subscribe to Scorch Stack. Um, and, uh, and, and we enjoy playing Calgary. Now, all of that said, every time I say something like this, I get really nervous. I'm worried that something really stupid happens tomorrow and we end up hating the Flames or their fan base. Um, but as of right now, I think this should be considered a benchmark game. What I want to see is I want to see Martin St. Louis' ideas going into the game. I want to see how he tackles playing such a good team, uh, such a complete team. I mean, they've got a lot up and down the roster that the Canadians have to contend with. Uh, I want to hopefully make sure that they defend uh, properly against uh, Tyler Toffoli, who uh, has a habit of burning teams um, that, uh, that, that, you know, um, don't, don't give him the credit he deserves. And also he's on an absolute heater himself right now uh, as well. And uh, I think the Canadians goaltending needs to be much better than it was in Winnipeg. Thankfully there are no cowards, Mark Shifley's on the (laughs) Calgary flames uh, as of yet, as of yet. Uh, And, and I really think that, you know, not, it's not just how the Canadians start the game. It's how they adjust over the course of the game. That's going to be really telling about how well they've progressed over the last nine or 10 games. And for me, with some slight disrespect to the Winnipeg Jets, they're not a very good team at even strength. Against the Canadians on Tuesday night, they were pretty much outplayed the entire time the game wasn't at four-on-four, four-on-three, five-on-four power play, whatever, handily outplayed. And because the Canadians were struggling to you know, keep themselves on the ice, they kind of threw that game away. Calgary is much better, much more structured. Daryl Sutter is a very good coach when it comes to structure. I'm not going to call him a great coach. He is very good at what he does, and that is to build a defensive shot possession structure team. 
and they've got a lot of pieces there that are quite scary. Like we talked about Matthew Kachuk. We talk about, and I know how good Michael Backlund is. I know how good Elias Lindholm is. We know how good Tyler Toffoli is. He played for our team this season and last season. We know how well he does playing against his former clubs, but there's also players like Andrew Mangiapane who always come up big for them, and he's been really strong this year. Their defensive group is great, and then in net, you know, Jacob Markstrom has been really solid since he arrived there on that big deal. Like you said, it's a benchmark game for the Canadians and for Martin St. Louis because plan A isn't always going to work against the Flames. And if it does, well, congratulations. That's awesome. But we're going to need to see what is plan B, what is plan C here. Can the penalty kill and the power play uh, get itself sorted out a little bit here? Because if that's the case, the Canadians can be competitive in this game. But if their special teams are lacking and their five-on-five play isn't up to snuff against the flames. It's going to be a real rough outing. And like you said, the goaltending should be better. It, it can't be worse than it was in Calgary or in uh, Winnipeg. And I don't know if it's going to be Montembeau or if it's going to be Hammond getting the start. I'm assuming Hammond might get the start after that last game. And Montembeau will start Saturday against the Oilers, which uh, is another thing we will touch on at another point in time. But I, I'm very curious to see now because Martin St. Louis lost games when he got here, but we could write those off because he's the new coach. That game against the against the Jets is the first one where the Habs have shown a significant weakness, and now it's up to him to kind of figure out how he can fix it. I'm very curious now to see not only how the Canadians respond, but how Martin St. Louis adjusts things on the fly a little bit here because he's been a player. He knows when things aren't working. What is he going to do now going into this game to uh, help his team find success, I guess? I truly think that the identifiable weakness on this team has got to be. Now, we're, we're not going to talk about goaltending. The goaltending needs to be more consistent, <laughs> obviously. But um, is is defensive coverage. I think a lot of times what's happening is they're starting out with those good habits that, that he's implementing and then they're defaulting back to the old habits. And I think, you know, it's a learned thing. It's not just under, under Martin St. Louis that they've had these habits. It's not just this season under Dominique Ducharme. They had it last year too. We complained about it last year and the previous year. I mean, this is like, this is ingrained stuff on this roster, these bad defensive habits, this lack of coverage. It's not just a lack of coverage. It's like the idea of not knowing where to be and what to do. And one of the things that, that Martin St. Louis keeps preaching is how to play without the puck and, that's not something you learn in five or six games. That's not something you learn in nine or 10 games. That's something that you learn over the course of many, many practices with it being drilled into your head, but also being given the tools and the confidence to make the right decisions in those moments. I think that's something that's a huge thing that Canadians need to work on. And I really do like that they have this really hard, difficult team to play against to kind of uh, hone in on some of those weaknesses because you know, two, three years from now, they're going to be trying to contend against the best of the league. So why not start now? Even if you're, if you don't have your complete roster, why not start implementing that stuff now? Yeah. It, it's, you know, what's the worst that can happen? You're already bad this season. It's you get another, a, another chapter in what you're learning here. Uh, it, it is the, it's the perfect rebound game in a sense, because the flames are kind of where we wanted the Canadians to be when the season started. We wanted them to be structured, a possession team with good goaltending, and all of that went out the window very quickly. Where do you stack up going from 
a loss against a flawed team to a, a game where you're playing against a big, very tough playoff ready opponent. And like I said, I'm very curious to see what Martin saying that we does here. And he's not the only person that we have all eyes on Ben Chirot, despite all the odds, the smoke, whatever you want to call it is still a Montreal Canadian. We're going to take a look at why he might still be here and how soon we might expect him to be traded coming up next. But first, football season is over. The Olympics are over. But basketball is in full swing with both pro and college hoops right now. And if you want all the latest odds, totals, player performance, prop bets to where the next fired coach is going to land, betonline.net is your number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline is the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net has hockey, boxing, UFC odds, and so much else for coverage and information right on their site. So head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. As always, thank you so much for making Locked on Canadians your first listen of the day. And please, when you're done listening to us, please check out the Locked On Now podcast where you get nightly recaps from every NHL game with analysis from all of our hosts and local experts. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so both Laura and myself, about a week ago, the thought was Ben Sherrod is coming off of the IR and a trade should be relatively imminent. There was a lot of smoke around our handsome, rugged, not very good defenseman. If you're reading this, Kyle Dubas, he's great. He's the best. You need to trade for him. Despite everything, are are we a little worried that a trade isn't developing like we had hoped with this originally, especially after the Toffoli trade and everything else went down? I'm not worried, to be honest. And I'll tell you why. is because he keeps consistently coming up on one of the most desired uh, free agents that will be traded at the trade deadline. The Canadians don't need to trade him, but it would be nice. You know, he's coming off the books at the end of the season. It's unlikely that they'll re-sign him. It would be really nice for them to get something for him. And the thing is, it's because people keep talking about how teams want him, how people are interested in him and all of that. But it's getting really, really hyped up. I don't doubt that there are GMs calling about him. I don't doubt that Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon are shopping him. I don't doubt that they're being honest with him. They seem to have a really transparent relationship with all their players, especially leading up to these trades like this. But I also think that right now, it's one of those things where teams are waiting until a little bit, they get a little bit closer to the deadline to see whether or not they'll be bubble or contender, to see whether or not their defensive, their physical defensemen, uh, might be injured or they might be a little bit bruised. So Ben Sherratt would have a lot higher value for them. I don't think that there's a bidding war. I think people are inquiring. I think people are desiring. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I really, really don't. I do want him to get traded so the Canadians will get assets. Uh, you know, they're not going off on a playoff run or anything like that. I just think that a lot of times when somebody is hyped up this much, there are a lot of question marks because the uh, the mainstream hype is that, you know, he's a desired, coveted agent, free agent. But if you look at all the underlying numbers, if you look at the video, there's a lot of question marks. So I think what ends up happening is a smarter team is like, I need a defensive defenseman, but I'm going to go look elsewhere. And so that kind of reduces his value. But I don't think it's it's 
I don't think it's a lost cause. I really don't. I think that there's still enough old school hockey men in charge that he's definitely like a kind of the kind of player he is is high on people's lists. They think they need him for a long playoff run. And it doesn't hurt that he was very physical in the Canadian Stanley Cup final run. I don't think that, you know, I think that that's, that's part of the reason people are kind of looking at him and being like, this, this guy is somebody I need for my run. I honestly, like, I really hope the, the Leafs get him. That's what I want to see. Uh, but uh, I don't, uh, I don't see Kyle Dubas calling Kent Hughes anytime soon, to be honest. I, I just, uh, I think he's going to end up on a team that you really don't expect. And you're like, well, I feel like, you know, Los Angeles might be one of them. <laughs> um, I think uh, it's possible that, uh, that I don't know why I'm thinking Florida. I don't know why I'm seeing Florida, but I, I feel like Florida is going to be the kind of team that really surprises you. You're like, oh, they've done all of this smart stuff up until this point, and now they're getting this defensive liability to play for their playoff. They're expected to be long playoff run. And, and the thing about it is, and this comes from 32 Thoughts, is that some GMs are anticipating it being a softer rental market than initially expected, which I don't know if the prices were just set too high initially, which at the same time, you always start with a higher bid than what you expect because even if you're talked down from there, you're still getting more than what they might be worth in terms of that. And I'm kind of wondering if they set the bar high on Ben Sherratt with a first, a prospect, and whatever in there. And I'm curious if that was maybe a bit too rich and now it's no longer like, a high level prospect in the first and maybe it's a tweener prospect and like a second or a good prospect in a second or a first in this and the prices come down from where it is and teams are just being cautious right now a lot of them are finally getting through what's a very condensed covid schedule the flames have already made up uh seven of their 10 canceled or postponed covid games there's a lot of uh condensing a schedule for a lot of teams here so i'm very curious now um, as we approach this, because it is March 2nd when we're recording this, we are 19 days away from the trade deadline. Uh, I'm very curious to see when things pick up because I don't think Ben Sherratt's going to be the first move made. I will be shocked. Obviously, Tyler Toffoli was the first big one of the the trade deadline, so to speak, names that might be moved. But I also can't help but think that something else is going to happen first. Because you have names like Josh Manson, a Hampus Lindholm, a John Klingberg, other names that are in there that teams are looking for, and they might be more desirable than Ben Sherratt and a more analytic savvy team or a team that knows what they're looking for might go for one of them. And then the next, and then the market changes and you have teams that are looking for Ben Sherratt and that's when that move might happen. I'm I'm mostly just shocked that he's 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 still here because one the Canadians playing him uh, it's not helping his value uh, <laughs> especially on the power play not on the penalty kill against the Jets so we we talk about players who need a rebound game and to you know show themselves a little bit better uh, a game against the Calgary Flames uh, we need Ben Sherratt to be I don't want to say playoff Ben Sherratt but like. Playoff Ben Sherratt would be very nice, minus the scoring on the Habs net. Uh, I still think hopefully by sometime next week, I think is when this move is going to go down. I think we're going to see him as gone before the deadline actually starts. Uh, if not, I do get very nervous just about injuries and whatever else with that. So 
I'm not worried, but I'm a little put off that we haven't heard anything really recent about updates or anything on that. I do think one thing that's really funny is that uh, I, I can't remember if it was on RDS or Sportsnet. It was a, a mainstream media outlet that had their top five uh, people on the, the, the trade wish trade deadline wish list. And it was like Claude Giroux and then Ben Chirot was third and then like Klingberg was fifth. And I could not help but laugh at that. Uh, I do think that he will be moved though. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not worried that he's not, unless he gets injured. I, I do truly think that he's going to be moved. In fact, we've been talking about him so long on this episode that as soon as you edit it and wrap it and post it, Scott, you know, what's going to happen. Oh, they're going to trade. They're going to trade him instantly because that's <laughs> how this works. I'm half expecting the trade to break while we're recording our final segment here. And just me have to start this episode over for a third time, because that's how things normally work with podcasting. I, I I am hopeful that we get this, and hopefully on a day where we are able to sit down and fully suss out our thoughts on this. But whenever that day comes, we will have you covered here at Lockdown Canadians. But there was a trade today. It is not an NHL trade. It is an NHL contracted trade, however. And we're going to touch on that in one second. And that trade today is an... This hurts a little bit because I went to bat in a big way for this player, not only all summer and through the top 25 under 25 and on this show this year when goalies started dropping. Michael McNiven has been traded to the Calgary Flames organization. We're just bringing everything full circle here. Trades and the Calgary Flames in this for future considerations, which is uh, not exactly what you call a grand return. Future considerations usually ends up being like an AHL player a seventh round pick, sixth round pick if you're lucky. <laughs> and I, I look at this and go, it's the right move because Kevin Poulan, who is playing with the Rocket, he is the backup to Caden Primo tonight, obviously, uh, won AHL goaltender of the month with a 5-0-1 record and a 938 save percentage in the month of February. And for McNiven, he finally got his NHL call up. Played in a game where Dominique Ducharme left him out to dry, basically, along with his starting goaltender. He got hurt, and then he lost his spot to a veteran backup in the AHL. It's just a series of really unfortunate events, and when he had his chance to start and kind of claim the spot back for the Rocket, he wasn't able to do that. It's It sucks, but at the same time, this is probably what's best for him. He's going to go to Stockton in the AHL. He's going to back up Dustin Wolf, who is very, very good. It's a new look for him, and it's a fresh start. And I think anytime he's been challenged with something like this in the past, like when he didn't make Team Canada for World Juniors, he went on a run with Owen Sound. When he had to take over net for the Rocket, when Caden Primo wasn't there, he played really well. And this season was just one bad thing after another happening to him. I think this is best for both parties. It gives him a fresh start. It clears the contract spot off the Canadians right now, which Andrew Hammond, whenever Jake Allen is back, we're likely to see Hammond slide down to the AHL as well. It's. And so I know I don't, I don't really have anything to add about that. I just, I I feel like we're going to miss him because he was a favorite. He was somebody that we liked. He was somebody that we uh, kind of, we're rooting for and i don't think that it's wrong that he goes to an organization we like like so far (laughs) the two trades uh of players that we've liked have gone to a team that is palatable i uh i do think that um 
it's an AHL move. Like for the Canadians, it's clearing, you know, it's clearing a contract. It's also possibly, you know, they've had a conversation with the player and the player just, he wants to move on. And I think that's totally fair. They did say that they were going to accommodate requests like that if they could. So for him to go to an organization, that's really good. I do wish him the best. I do hope that um, he does find the success because I do think that he did everything that was asked of him. And unfortunately, like it, he was never rewarded uh, accurately until it was a bit too late, I think, or until the circumstances dictated that it was going to be too much on his head, too much on his shoulders. And he wasn't really he wasn't put in the position to succeed. Like the way that I look at it is that he did the work to earn the uh, the opportunity to be put in the position to succeed. But unfortunately, what ended up happening was that he went like he was never put in the position to succeed until it was a desperate situation under not great circumstances. So could you really call that the position to succeed? Like take that net, you know, take the net because like a whole bunch of other things have gone wrong and we have no choice. Uh, oh, and also like this is a lot of stuff on your shoulders. Yeah, I, I, it's so hard is because he finally got the NHL call up and we were hoping that he would get the chance. And then it's just in the worst possible circumstances. And then even at the AHL though, this year, he just didn't seize the opportunity when it was there for him. Like this was his chance to kind of take the net. Uh, he did really well splitting it with Caden Primo last year. They won a lot of big games together for Joel Bouchard. And then when uh, Jean-Francois Houle gave him the opportunity he just wasn't able to do what he needed to. Kevin Poulin came in, and Kevin Poulin was able to do. So they, he was able to do what he needed to do here. And when you can't do that, when you're trying to build a winning franchise, unfortunately, sooner or later, despite your best intentions, you still have to do what's best for the team. And like you said, Ken Hughes and Jeff Gordon said they were going to accommodate requests. And for him, I don't. I don't blame him for wanting to go start elsewhere where he can, you know, try and reinvent himself to have a shot at being a starter and maybe work his way up somewhere in another organization. It's entirely fair to want that. I, I mean, I don't blame him. I wish him well. And I'm hoping he finds that success. He's someone I've rooted for since he came uh, to the Canadians organization. He bounced around that year. He played for three ECHL teams. And then before the season was canceled, he, put together a perfect run for the rocket. And then obviously COVID canceled the season. Uh, it's going to be really interesting uh, what he's able to do in a new system there, how quickly he adjusts. And for anyone who's going to ask, uh, I wouldn't expect too much from future considerations. The Habs are still waiting on future considerations from a trade with the Ottawa senators where they sent Jake Lucini to Belleville before the season even started. So it could be something. It could be nothing. It's likely to be nothing. It might be monetary compensation. I think that's still a thing anyways. I I wouldn't expect much out of it. And you shouldn't expect much for a guy who ended up as your third string AHL backup. To get potentially anything at all is a victory for that. For a guy, you didn't waste draft capital on them. He was an undrafted free agent. Came in and you got five seasons, four or five seasons out of him before he was traded is. Uh, pretty good return on investment there. So we'll see what the future holds for Michael McNiven. We'll see what future considerations hold. We'll see if Ben Chirot's still a Montreal Canadian by the time we record tomorrow night uh, after the Flames-Habs game. Uh, as always, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at LO underscore Canadians. Uh, you can email us at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. We are taking mailbag questions for our Friday episode. 
You can follow Laura at The Active Stick, and you can follow myself at Scott Metla. And remember, you can find the show wherever you get your daily podcast. And on YouTube, please subscribe. Get us to 500 subscribers. It's going to be a good time. And when you're done listening to us, please check out Locked On Fantasy Hockey, where Steel Roden and Flip Livingstone have all the info you need to absolutely crush your fantasy hockey leagues. We will see you all next time.